At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Here we are on Peacock, re-air on NBCSN at 9 Eastern. Podcasts, wherever podcasts are available. Sirius XM, I think it's 211. It's possibly 205. If you're on the right channel, you already know. And hello to our friends in the UK, in Ireland, in all points. And I get requests all the time from people in Australia. And this isn't BS, Yeah. unlike most of the other stuff I say. All over the world, I get emails saying, will you say hello to us? Hello to everyone around the world and beyond. Maybe there's someone in a, a distant planet who is a picking up yep. these signals I'm a believer. light years yep. from now. Right. I don't know. You see all those anyway. videos they let out on, like, you know, uh, some of the videos that have been released from the Defense Department or whatever. I mean, it, there's too many things flying around for me not to believe there's something out there. There's got to be something. And what's amazing is after years of clamoring for the government to acknowledge that there is proof of right. unexplained phenomenon, right? we see it and we're all kind of like, yeah, eh, no big deal. Eh. Right. We always thought that. Get, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Get back to us when the mothership lands <laughs> and they start playing the do, 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 do. Uh, anyway, have you ever seen Close Encounters? I was going to say, what is that sound or whatever you're doing there? Close Encounters. You need to see Close Encounters of the Third Kind. My my God. I, I mean, I know you were born after the movie came out, but the world did exist before you were born. Okay. I, there were yeah, great yes. movies made before you were born. I, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, I highly recommend it. It still holds up 45 years later. Who, who's in it? Who's in Who's in that movie? What's that? Wait, wait. No, get rid of that. Don't use that. You're overusing that, Pete. Get rid of that. Thank you. <laughs> Richard Dreyfus is in it. Very young Richard Dreyfus. Right. Are, you, are you familiar with who Richard I, Dreyfus is? I am very Jaws? much so. Yes, okay, exactly good. right. I've seen a lot of old movies, so shut your mouth with that stuff. But okay, I haven't seen and this actually, one. And actually, actually, having a very small role in Close Encounters yeah. is the guy who would go on to play Russell Dalrymple in Seinfeld season four when... They were trying to get the show about nothing on NBC, and he was the president of NBC until he fell in love with Elaine and abandoned his job and ended up, I think, drowning in an effort to save the whales with Greenpeace. Anyway, Close Encounters is an awesome movie. It's worth checking out. But at the end, there's a spoiler alert. The aliens land and they, you know, yeah, communicate I vaguely with know the movie. I do. I vaguely know the movie. I, and once you said Richard Dreyfus, I kind of was like, oh, yeah, I think I have seen that before. But, you know, it occurred to me there's wisdom in the government's approach to the extent that we all thought they were hiding something and because they refused to tell us anything it made us think it was something really really big then they give us something and we're like okay no big deal we move on that applies to what's going on with the nfl right now and the washington football team they refuse to give us anything when it comes to the six hundred fifty thousand secret emails the specific findings made by Beth Wilkinson, who did the investigation of the Washington football team. They refuse to give us anything. So we think there's something big that they're hiding. That's human nature. And the, the, the more of a fight they put up, Chris, the more I think they're hiding something big. If they would just give it to us, we'd be like, okay, just like with the UFO videos. Okay, now we can move on. There's some wisdom to how the, the United States government handled the UFO evidence. Just give it to us. And we shrug 
and we go live our lives. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to hold true on this one. I, I don't. That's true. Yeah, I'm trying know, to convince him to do it. I know. Yeah. I'm trying to sell. I, I Help they're me like, sell. No, no. If we release this, this will become a bigger story uh, Help me than sell. us just, us just oh. wanting the information. So uh, yeah, I, let's I, I let's yeah go ahead dive into it, Mike. <laughs> bigger than bigger than aliens, better than a nurse. Uh, no, here here's here that's a meet the parents thing. Is that better than a nurse? Anyway, um, the uh, the point I was trying to make is that uh, what is the point I'm trying to make? Oh, if they release all of this, here's what happens. If they put all the facts out there, all the specifics out there about what happened at the Washington football team over the past ten years that culminated in unprecedented punishment and we'll talk about that of Daniel Snyder if we saw all of it it would be as untenable for Snyder to continue as the owner of the team as it was for John Gruden to continue as coach of the Raiders once it's out there there's no going back you have crossed a bridge that cannot be uncrossed Donald Sterling had to sell the LA Clippers when the things that he said in his home came to light if those don't come to light he doesn't have to sell the LA Clippers it becomes untenable at that point They're trying to protect Snyder and in turn protect the other owners from a similar fate or from being what they would call extorted by employees who would possibly make allegations against them and potentially result in a major investigation. So that's why they don't want to tell us, because if they tell us, Snyder's out. That's my belief. Uh, I, I understand that. I mean, I mean, I, again, I think if they tell us, it's just going to open up the box again to like what we've talked about in the past. I mean, everybody's going to want to see you know, all emails around the NFL. And like you said, you know, cross-check everything. Cross-check all these owners because of, hey, the league's supposed to be making, you know, an effort to improve in, you know, people's rights and and how they treat people and different cultures and women and everything uh, of that nature. So, uh, you know, we've talked about that a lot. And I just, again, that's why I think we're going to continue to get song and dance and hemming and humming, as I would say, uh, just as far as trying to avoid the subject, because there's 31 other oligarchs who are definitely scared of what might come out on, on, on them or in their emails or anything else they've texted or uh, anything along those lines. But here's the difference. For the yeah. other 31 teams, there isn't already a a universe, a microcosm. Yes. I'm trying to get the right word yeah, here. But there you. isn't a body of evidence that's already been generated right. that is being hidden somewhere. Yeah, You'd have to create it for the other 31. For the WFT, it exists. The 650,000 emails are there. The the files of Beth Wilkinson contain information that has been gleaned and developed. And if she's ever called to testify before the U.S. House Oversight and Reform Committee, she's got her notes. She's got, you know, she's got everything she would need to bake the cake. She just was told, don't bake, don't bake the cake. Don't bake it. Yeah. We don't want the cake. Right. Because if we have the cake, then, you know, somebody's going to end up eating a piece of it and it's over. But, but she's got the information. The other 31 teams, I think the fear is they don't want to get to a position where they have to do they an investigation to the them. Yeah, exactly. If, if all of a sudden, and, and look, it, you know, to continue the stupid you know, cookbook recipe metaphor, I mean, this would be a roadmap. Let me use a different term. This is a treasure map, potentially, for other employees who become disgruntled at other teams to say, well, look at what they accused. Dan Snyder of doing and it worked so let's make similar accusations and the people who are sitting at the top of these organizations with all the money are always worried about you know liars cheaters and stealers trying to take what they've built or inherited as the case may be and uh and so they they just they don't want other employees of other teams getting any bright ideas for how they could try to make a quick score for themselves by coming up with false allegations. Everybody's always worried about false allegations. I don't know how many false allegations actually happen, but everybody's always worried about that. And I think the other owners are worried about that possibility. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I understand that. I understand them not, you know, wanting to deal with false allegations, but you know, from what we've seen right now, we have something real in these emails that makes us want to see the rest of it. Because if this is the type of language that, and you know, uh, actions that were going on through email within a within an organization's email server, then yeah, you're led to believe there might be more along those lines. You know, and listen, 
It, uh, well, I was just going to say, I mean, with the comments Cal McNair made yesterday, too, that's just going to make people want to see stuff more. I don't mean to go like change the subject a little right. bit, but I'm just trying to tie it together a little bit to where you go, whoa, there's an owner who's saying improper things out loud. So what else do we got in these emails? And I just think that's going to continue to increase everybody's curiosity. And yeah, the fact that they're silent about this is going to make people uh, like you, like me, people who really follow football, uh, they're they're going to want to know what what's what's you know what's under some of these rocks and what's what's the NFL hiding here. Certainly got me curious. We'll get to Cal McNair yeah. later. Sorry, it, I didn't mean to it was it. not just to be clear. Yeah, it wasn't comments. That were made yesterday. They came to light uh, yesterday. Yeah, they were right, made back right, in May, right. and he expressed contrition, and we'll, we'll talk about all that coming up. For now, though, let's begin to share with you some of the things that the commissioner said last night. And this was kind of a surprise, because they have a two-day meeting, first time they're together in person since December of 2019, the owners gathering in New York. The commissioner usually speaks at the end of the meetings not at the end of the first day of the meeting. So I don't know if he's going to come back today. I have a feeling he won't, but maybe he will. He had a press conference last night. It was kind of a surprise, but there were reporters there, and they asked him multiple questions, as many as you really could in a setting like that. You know, this is more conducive to a sit-down, where it's one person asking questions over and over and over again to touch on everything, because some stuff is going to get missed, and it was. But some stuff was not. And let's begin with one of the first questions that the commissioner took regarding the very basic question of why there was no written report generated from the Washington football team investigation. Here he is. One of the important things by getting in a professional that has worked in this space uh, was making sure that you had people who were willing to come forward, uh, most of which wanted to do so with security and privacy and anonymity as part of that. Um, and it would be difficult for us to do that. And that not only affects the investigation that you're going through, but it affects future investigations and the credibility of that. So when you make a promise to protect that in, in anonymity, uh, to make sure that we get the right information, um, you need to stand by that. And so we're very conscious of making sure that we're protecting uh, those that came forward. Uh, they were incredibly brave, incredibly open, um, and we respect the pain that they probably went through all over again uh, to come forward. And so uh, that was a, a very high priority for us. That's very admirable in isolation. And that's an attitude you want to have if you have people who are former or current employees who are very reluctant to attach their name who don't want to have to relive traumatic events, who don't want to see their name in the newspaper or on websites or being mentioned. That, that's very admirable if you have people who fall into that category. The question is, and this is something I don't think they've ever answered, and I don't think they've been asked. Maybe I need to ask them. How many are there? How many actually said, we don't want any of this to come out? How many of them said that? How many of them said, we want total and complete secrecy of the findings of this investigation? We want none of this to ever come to light. None of the facts, none of the specifics, none of the things that were said to us, none of the things that were done to us. We want you to promise that there will be blanket secrecy of everything. Is that what they asked for? Or did they just say leave our names out of it? Because if it's just leave our name out of it, that's easy to fix. They did that with the Andrew Cuomo investigation. We made that point back in July when the Cuomo investigation came out. Yeah. Some people were named. Some people weren't. There's a way to do it. So what they're doing here is they are creating this gigantic shield. Yeah. Deflecting. That is that is that is coated in righteousness. Mm -hmm. Under that patina of righteousness is layer and layer, frankly, of BS. Because they're using this as the justification to hide the information, Chris. I mean, it certainly seems like that. Okay, but like what, where, you know, how, do, how does that change? I mean, how, you know, again, I mean, we don't know how many people or who was talked to within this investigation like you talked about. 
And then what's it going to take to really change anything they're saying or doing, Mike? I mean, that's I mean, again, I think all the people that are a part of this investigation would have to come forward in some sort of letter, whatever statements to kind of just say, hey, we were a part of the investigation and please release all this information. We're, we're saying it's OK. But the other thing is, like you said, we don't know. So, yeah, I mean, this is uh they're, 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 it seems like they're hiding behind it. There's no doubt about that. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you one bit there. And uh, the, the question was asked, and again, it's impossible for all of the questions to be asked in a setting like that. I'm not being critical of all of the reporters. I think the reporters did a good job. There's only so many questions that are going to be asked before you hear two more, two more. Yeah. Or, you know, if somebody changes the subject and asks a question about the Bills stadium while, while, they're, while he's being, he's on the run. On the issue of, of uh, and I think what they did was they said, Here, give the microphone to the guy who covers the bills. So let him ask his bills question so we can get off. And I'm not, I'm not being facetious about that. I really do think based upon what was said by Tim Graham of The Athletic when he ended up with a microphone, I think that they gave it to him because they knew he wasn't going to ask another question about the Washington football team. But one of the follow-ups, and this one came from Mark Maskey, The Washington Post, very, very obvious. Is there a way to release the information about what happened at the Washington football team by redacting the names to protect those who requested secrecy. Here's Goodell on that point. Uh, we don't think so. Um, you know, we feel that this is the appropriate way to do it. We summarized uh, the findings of Beth um, and made it very clear that the workplace environment uh, at the Washington football team was not what we expect in the NFL and then held them accountable for that. But more importantly, steps were put in place to make sure it does not happen again. And so we think protecting the people that helped us get to that place, the people that unfortunately had to live through that experience, that we respect them and make sure that we protect them. There are ways to protect that allow transparency. This is... I mean, it's kind of shameful that they think we're going to accept this and just move on. It insults the intelligence of the average person. And as George Carlin would say, think of how dumb the average person is. And half the people are dumber than that. Even the average person, it should insult their intelligence that they're playing this. And I'm going to borrow a term that was used by the judge in St. Louis, who is presiding over the Rams relocation litigation when he ordered issued a court order that multiple owners provide personal financial information for the assessment of potential punitive damages, and they failed to do it. That judge accused the NFL of engaging in a game of three-card Monty. Well, that's what they're doing here. And it's not a very good game of three-card Monty, but it's effective because what can you really do? There's no one, there's no way Uh, for anyone in that moment to stand up and deliver the classic opening statement from my cousin Vinny. I won't quote the line, but there's no one who's going to stand up and say that to him. That's not the way it works. So all he has to do, and he earned his next paycheck and maybe the next paycheck after that, because this is what he does. We've talked about this. He's the highest paid pincushion in the world. He's the guy who is running interference for the oligarchs behind the curtain. He just has to stand there with a straight face and say these things. And that's it. It's over. You walk away. And then it, it's, it's t- it's, it falls to us the next day to say, hey, folks, don't fall for this. It's not true. They can redact these names if they want to. They can find a way to give us this information if they want to. They don't want to. They don't want to. And they're never going to stand up and say, we don't want to and you can't make us. But that's the truth. We don't want to and you can't make us. Well, no. I mean, listen, I, 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 I do think there is something about, you know, hey, they want to protect those that came forward. But it goes back down to the, the same elements we've discussed, you know, throughout this, this whole topic when, when the Gruden emails first came out. Yeah, it's, it's not, Mike. I mean, it's, it's, it's about the owners. It's about protecting them. It's about protecting the future and setting precedent like you talked about many, many times. And – you know, the way they're doing this right now and handling it, I mean, they're, they're winning. They're winning, definitely. I mean, again, I mean, you're, you're still leading the charge here. I think, you know, as the days go by and, you know, maybe a little unfortunate that they had the owners' meetings and, and this type of meeting this week, so shortly after all of this happened to where 
it brought a little bit light back on the situation. I don't know. People like you who are aggressively trying to pursue this, I, I don't, I, you know, again, I, I don't follow everything like uh, along these lines quite like you, but it feels like day by day people are falling by the wayside on this subject a little bit. And there is the aggressiveness of wanting to know that's they're slowly just beating it down with, with answers like that. And they're going to continue to ride this storm and doesn't change my thoughts here. There's just, there's just no way they're ever going to break down here. There's just no way at all. They're, they're too worried about protecting and setting precedents for their owner. They can talk about those who came forward all they want. I do. I don't want to call them liars, but that's not the main goal here. We know that. During football season, there is a constant stream of bright, shiny objects that legitimately appear on our TV screens to allow things to move on. Think of the vibe coming out of week seven. There was no discussion of the Washington football team situation None. on any right. of the pregame shows, even though the most significant development yet happened last Thursday night when Congress said, hey, NFL, we would very much like to find out more about this investigation, the results of which you are hiding. It died quickly. The Browns-Broncos game, we move on. All the games Sunday, we move on. Monday night, we move on. And really, the only reason we're talking about it today is because the commissioner talked about it yeah, yesterday. Right. And I really do wonder why the press conference was last night. Because they have meetings this morning and I want to know, is he going to talk? I, I don't know why he would talk twice. I don't know why he'd come back today and reporters are able to craft some follow-up questions when they can really think about it, right? Yeah. I don't know why is they would do that. Is he scheduled to talk today? I don't know. No. But I didn't no know way. he was scheduled to talk last night. I doubt that, I doubt that he would talk again. I right. doubt that he would. Right. I doubt that he will. I, th I think that that was it. We're not getting another bite at the apple. And uh, people aren't going to have a chance to ask more questions that would get into, for example, the specific, hey, how did these things get leaked? You know, that wasn't asked. Hey, are you troubled? How troubled are you, Commissioner, by the fact that you want all this stuff to be secret and there are 650,000 emails and some of them were weaponized to take out one of your 32 head coaches during football season? Aren't you troubled by that? That wasn't asked. And if he was available today, maybe it would be asked. So uh, many questions well weren't asked and and that's that's inherent to a press conference what he needs to do is sit down with somebody and I'm not saying it should be me because he would never sit down and talk to me about this because I'm going to ask all the questions and I'm not going to blink and I'm not going to bow and I'm going to be up to speed on it see when he was on the run with Ray Rice in 2014 he did an interview with somebody who doesn't cover the NFL he did a news a news interview yeah and and look those folks get properly up to speed but you got to be living it, I think, to fully understand and be ready to ask the follow-up question when there's a crack in one of the answers that invites that question when you kind of maybe have them on the ropes a little bit and maybe you're getting to the truth. But he's not going to do that. He's well, not going to do that. No, this isn't no about way. getting to the wait, truth. Wait, so Mike, this I'll, is about saying enough so you can move on. Right. Wait, I don't want to ask you, too. Like, And again, you know me. I'm Johnny Football. I'm not looking at like all this, all this stuff all the time as far as when the commissioner's talking or – some of those details was he scheduled he wasn't scheduled to talk last night was that that was kind of out of nowhere is that is that what I don't look I'm not at the meeting so I don't know what was being yeah, told to the reporters right. okay. all I know is I saw a tweet at around seven o'clock saying the commissioner Same is speaking shortly yeah and I said holy crap right holy crap let's dial up NFL Network and see what he has to say yeah so that was the first I saw of it because the the, the, the ritual definitely too. is yeah it's after the meeting's end not well, Tuesday this night on a two-day meeting. Makes me believe it was a, that's that was part of the plan. Let's catch them by surprise. Let's not let anybody you know think out think that think this out too too much so we don't get too tough of questions. You know, let's hey, Chris I, again. Hey, listen, I don't know. You're, you're right. You're right. No, but listen. I'm they just, started a few years ago. The commissioner press conference used to be on the Friday before the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. And that was when the maximum concentration of media were present mm -hmm. in the Super Bowl city. All of a sudden, they start doing it on Wednesday. Yeah, and and they realize, you know, because because I and I know I know from interactions with people at the league office, I know they get very nervous about that because you never know who's going to be there. You never know what the questions are going to be. Right. You, ne you just never know sure. what it's going to turn into. And so we, we eliminate some of the wild cards if we do this earlier in the week when we know there's a lower concentration right. of total media because it keeps going, as we know, up and up and up as you get closer and closer to the game. So I think we're on to something here. All right. 
Let's pivot to another issue that came up yesterday. Melanie Coburn and Anna Nunez had uh, appeared, delivered a letter to the league. They are former employees of the Washington football team, and they are asking for the materials to be released. They don't want this uh, this to be swept under the rug. And we've got uh, excerpts of the letter posted at PFT. But, the, you know, they, they are coming forward and they are saying this information needs to be made public. And again, it's some of them. It's not all of them. And we don't know how many. I want to go back to that point. We don't know how many they are protecting. Yeah. Is it one? Is it two out of 150? We don't know. They're using some as a way to justify hiding all of the information. And I think we've made it clear over the course of the last 24 minutes, we don't buy it. We're not going to buy it. We never will buy it, but it doesn't matter. We're not going to give you the information, and you you can't make it happen. All right, here's Roger Goodell talking about the fact that some of the former employees of the Washington football team want the materials to be public. Uh, Here's what he had to say in response to that. Well, I think that's exactly what we engaged Beth Wilkerson to do uh, as an independent counsel. Um, She met with, as I said, nearly 150 or more than 150 people, went through all those documents. All those individuals had an opportunity to speak to her if they wished. Some did not want to be public. Some wanted to. They're welcome to be public if they wish to. But we want to make sure we're protecting the people who came forward, who had to relive those experiences, because we wanted to make sure we understood what it was with the objective of making sure that we had the best possible workforce and workplace policies, procedures, people surrounded in those organizations, and the highest standards that respect others and make sure that we have a safe environment for all of our employees. You know, he said something there, Chris, that kind of made a light bulb finally flicker in my in my brain. We wanted to protect those people who had to relive those experiences. Okay, fine. How bad were those experiences? How traumatic was it? Doesn't that make make it even more appropriate that we have some idea of what the hell happened to these people, that it would be so traumatic that they don't want to relive those experiences and they're so intent on protecting them from reliving those experiences that they refuse to even identify what any of the specific experiences were? Isn't that amazing that it's that serious, that it's that big of a deal? We have to protect these individuals to the point where they don't have to relive these experiences. Again, whatever they're hiding is big. And I'm convinced if the facts came out, Daniel Snyder would be out. Uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that. I don't, you know, again, but I think it's going to take a lot of actions just like we're seeing here between, you know, Anna and Melanie Coburn or Anna Nunez and, and Melanie Coburn to – you know, continue down this line of pushing the NFL. It's going to take that. Uh, I do. I think the NFL, for them to release all this stuff, it's going to it's going to have to be, you know, splattered egg on their head, you know, pie in your face. Like, wait, there's no different. You, there's no hiding anymore. Everybody wants it out. The people you're talking about being protect or protecting, they want it out. It's going to take those actions. But, you know, again, there's just too much unknown. And yeah, it is a little weird that he says, you know, something like that as far as hey, we didn't, you know, we don't want to relive these, you know, terrible things. Okay, yeah. I mean, again, we don't know what they are, how terrible they are. I I don't know. You know, some people are more sensitive than others, uh, but there's a million questions you could ask off of this right now and just continue to keep going here. And uh, I think we're going to continue to hear a lot of the same answers from Roger and company as this goes for sure. Lisa Banks, one of the lawyers who represents 40 of the former Washington football team employees, said this via Twitter. I represent 40, as I just said, who participated in the investigation. Goodell's statement is false. My clients did not ask for protection when they participated in the investigation. They asked for transparency and accountability and received neither. Again, we don't know how many said, I want to be protected. And we don't know if any said, I want so badly to be protected that I want you to promise that none of the information that you gather during any aspect of this investigation is ever going to be made public. That That is a promise that you just can't make. 
I've done workplace investigations. I know how you go about promising confidentiality. And you don't basically hand the keys over to one person who says, you know, I'd really like it if none of this ever came to light in any way, shape, or form, even the stuff that didn't involve me. I mean, that's where they, they don't even try to compartmentalize. Okay, there were incidents involving people who don't want their names to come out. We're not going to say anything about those. But what about the incidents where the people are more than happy to have their names come yeah, out? Yeah, right. Yeah, th- This isn't one big blanket operation yeah. where just because one person who was involved in one incident at one moment says, I don't want my name in this or I don't want any of this to ever come out, right. that doesn't wipe out all the others that's how ridiculous this is the more i think about it the more it pisses me off because they think we're dumb yeah they well, think we're stupid yeah well and i may be stupid but i'm not that stupid well do we do we know how many lawyers were involved as far as protecting you know uh, employees uh, i mean i know we don't know how many employees are involved or all the people that are involved but do we at least know how many lawyers were involved as far as representing no, people no. or group no. no, okay. I just Lisa Banks. Look, and here's and you know what? One way this stuff begins to come to light is if somebody would sue. If somebody would sue, yeah. then through the litigation, now there would be protective orders and in discovery we wouldn't necessarily see any of this stuff. But but at trial, if there wasn't a settlement, a lot of this stuff would maybe come out. That's one path to getting to the bottom of some of this. If people who still fall within the statute of limitations, because you know, you got a fairly short shelf life to file a lawsuit but if it falls within the statute of limitations and somebody had their rights violated and they go to court and it goes to trial and there isn't a settlement there's a lot of stuff that may come out that's one way to do it that's months years down the line and there's no indication it's going to happen because i'm not aware of a single lawsuit that's been filed no no i don't know if they settled i don't know what but but i'm not aware of a single lawsuit that's been filed no well i mean listen it it just it's just weird that you know again like lisa banks comments there you know her clients want an accountability uh, what was the uh, the other in transparency, and all we've gotten so far is accountability on John Gruden who wasn't working there, and accountability you know and transparency on his emails or or another guy that of course is not in the league. That that to me is like the funniest part of the whole thing. Again, I'm not trying to defend John Gruden, but it is BS that he's been a, the guy that's singled out here, and then of course it's Bruce Allen along with it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's what it what it takes, Mike. Maybe that's where where it'll go. Maybe this will piss off enough people. Sorry, Manchester, and the fact that hey, uh, this is wrong, and they they start to come forward, and maybe they do go litigation and try to sue the NFL. Uh, and maybe that's well, the only avenue hey, as far as you know releasing this information and getting to the bottom of at least some of these truths. Or or I lies. made the point last week. Yeah, Gruden. Gruden could still sue the league, potentially. I, I did a little Nevada law research. Uh, intentional interference with business relations, contractual relations. Basically, somebody from the NFL or high up with one of the teams who was involved in league business yeah. weaponized these emails and took him out right. and basically put himself in a position where his contract with the Raiders went away. Um, now, There's no way. I don't think do they'll it. do it. Yeah. It's hard to do it right. because, it, look, he got what he deserved. Well, yeah, the and the way spotlight. It happened, right. Go ahead. Sorry. Right. The way it happened was wrong. And it's, and it's possible, I believe, to say Gruden was wrong and got what he deserved. Yeah. But the way that it happened it's wrong. was wrong for him and for the Raiders organization to have to shed their coach, even though they've won both games since he was gone. Yeah. To have to lose your chosen coach in the middle of a season is wrong, and it undermines the competitive integrity of the league. All right, let's pivot to Daniel Snyder. Okay. Because the, the question was asked specifically in point blank of the commissioner whether he believes that Daniel Snyder has been held accountable for the situation that unfolded within the football team he owns. Here's what Goodell had to say. Uh, I do think he's been held accountable for. I think the organization has been held accountable. For, and I think we did an unprecedented fine. Uh, Dan Snyder has not been involved with the organization for now almost four months. Uh, uh, and uh, we obviously are focused more on making sure that the policies that they had, some of many which they put into place prior to this investigation, but also uh, coming out of it, were put into place and that they will be maintained and that we can ensure that that will happen in this organization. Um, he was held accountable in, in two ways. One, a $10 million fine, which 
I know $10 million is still $10 million, but it's a drop in the bucket when you're talking about a billionaire who owns a football team and the equity is constantly going up and up and up and the revenue is constantly flowing in. And also, he said he hasn't been involved with the team for four months. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't him. Maybe he's got a doppelganger out there, and that's one of the most underused words in the English language. But he's been at games. He's just not running the team on a database business. He hasn't been shunned by the team. He's been present for games. Yeah. He is involved. Right. He's not suspended from all activities. He's not suspended in the way that Jim Irsay was suspended several years ago and not allowed to attend games. And even then, here's the difference. I mean, when a player on. or a coach, yeah. when a player or a coach isn't involved in the team, right. they don't get their money. Now, you know, when when you susp- even if Dan Snyder were suspended and not allowed to come to games, he's still getting his money. Yeah, right. That's he's still the getting his line. piece of the TV revenue. Yeah, right. He still owns the team. So and, and and this is one of the fundamental elements of unfairness between how players are punished and how 100%. owners are punished. Yeah. The player lo- if a player suspended six games, the player loses six eighteenths of his pay for the year, and he has to give back bonus money that he already received for those six eighteenths of the year. And legitimately an owner, can't involve, can't get go to practice, right, can't right. do meetings. Frozen out. Bro- totally Exile. frozen out. Exactly right. Gone. Right. Daniel Snyder is not losing his revenue. Yeah, he's he had to pay ten million of it, but how much is he making per home game? How much is he making per week from the TV money that flows through the league's coffers? There, uh, until they start, and I remember arguing this point when it happened with Ursay, and I got a whole chapter in the book Playmakers available now for pre-order. Comes out March fifteen that talks about the unfairness of how they deal with owners. You're un- until you're taking away the cash flow, the revenue. For the period of time the owner is suspended, he's never really suspended. No, absolutely not. And I mean, again, an owner, you know, oh, okay, he hasn't been involved with the team in four months. Like, well, I don't, you know, I don't even know what that means. What, did, like, the phones don't work? The the guy that's in second and third command that has to call him can't be like, hey, let's get on a Zoom call and talk business. Are they checking on that? I mean, what they've done is basically say, hey, you can't walk around your facility for four months and. You know, you know, be be seen that way. I mean, that that's really all it is. You just the, the, it's nothing more than that. I can't imagine that there's any other thing that's any different, other than Daniel Snyder doesn't get to walk around the facility. You know, eat in the in the mess hall with the players and the coaches. Maybe stick in his stick his nose into a meeting here and there. Uh, watch practice, you know, live. But I mean, that's the end of that. I I, I can't imagine like. Anything else business-wise is really being affected for an owner other than the fact he just doesn't get to, you know, walk around like it's a country club and go, you know, I'm the man and hey, everybody, and let's talk and let's But let's he talk does. Ball. He still is. He's there. He's there. He's just not running the show. He's at the games. He's All right. He's at the game. I know. I'm just saying there the facility, is. the there day-to-day is. things. Right. There's just a few weeks yeah. ago. Right. Right. But, I mean, yeah. I, again, I don't know. I don't even know. You're right. I, who knows but, if he's at the and, facility and every Chris, day either? Players might not even know. Coaches might not know. They have a different entrance. He's got his own owner's, you know, of course, office and, and could be there. And, you know, a lot of people in that organization would never know. Even if he's not, though, it doesn't matter. I mean, what does that really affect other than that he just doesn't get to go there? Hey. And, and let's be realistic about this. He handed the keys to his wife. I assume they live together. I assume they get together. I assume that he can say to her, Hey, you know, here's what you need to do about this. And she can say, hey, here's what's going on at work. What should I do about that? I mean, how hard is it for him to run the team through her? I, you know, it's ridiculous. They, they're married. He can give the orders about what he wants to have happen with the team through her. So it's, it's, it's just, again, I know I'm stupid, but I ain't that stupid. The bar isn't that low yet, and I, they just they just think they can talk and talk and talk, and it's all going to just go away, and that's not going to work with Congress, and I really do think and hope that Congress will sense that their silence is evidence that they're hiding something big, and it will make the people in Congress yeah. who have the jurisdiction and the we'll power see. and the subpoena authority, et cetera, even more uh, motivated to move forward. We'll move forward here. One last comment for Roger Goodell on the public perception that they're hiding behind anonymity to protect an owner. He was asked that question. Here's what Goodell had to say about that. Well, I think if uh, the public understands what we did release, 
including uh, the documents and uh, the recommendations that Beth made. All 10 of her recommendations were implemented. That was released. Uh, we summarized all of the findings that were very open about the things that were happening in that organization that we do not think meet NFL standards and should not be part of a workplace uh, in the NFL. So uh, I think we've been very open about that. Uh, I understand the media would like more transparency. I understand they would like more emails. But I think uh, from my standpoint, uh, we've been very firm about the importance of making sure that we got all the information, we made it clear that there was not a workforce here in a workplace that we feel, not, excuse me, not a workforce, but a workplace environment that we feel is appropriate. I, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of that flippant remark. Oh, I understand the media would like more transparency. Like, like, like we're wrong. Like, we've got some weird quirk. Like, yeah, I know that you, pe you know, you people, you know, you're kind of, you know, you're a little, yeah, I don't, you don't really get it. You don't, you know, but we'll let, let the grownups deal with how this really works. You folks go ahead and, you know, you ask, and that's baloney. I don't even remember. We're, we're, trying the... to, we're trying to get to the truth. Yeah. It's not, yeah, yo, yo, uh, we know how the media is, you know, fake news or whatever. There's, there's a fine line. There's a fine line between the attitude that was expressed in that comment and the attitude that we repeatedly heard from the former guy. Uh, and and I, I just, I don't, that rubs me the wrong way. We're trying to do our jobs here. We're trying to shine light on something that they saw was sufficiently important to appoint a lawyer to go in and investigate for 10 months and then imposed, as the commissioner said, an unprecedented fine on Daniel Snyder, and he hasn't been involved with the team for four months, even if he has. So you, you can't, it, it's just, it's exhausting. It's it exhausting, is. Chris. It is. I, listen, it, it is exhausting. You know, and, and again, I, I don't know, like, I, I, the, the, what he's, what was the phrase you used? The comprehensive report or whatever? I mean, I, I, I guess, was that what it was? was they that didn't ask for a report. They said, we don't want a report. You got all the ingredients. Please don't bake the cake. He, he referred I was a say, couple I don't of times. Remember. I don't even remember. Right? Well, yeah, I got okay. it right in front of me. Okay. I got it right in front of me. He, he, he said there was a summary of findings. There were two paragraphs. Yeah. Two paragraphs. Okay. And I'm going to start reading them and we'll see. The second one's a little long, but, but here's, here's all we've been told. When they say there was a summary of findings about what happened at the Washington football team over a 10-year period, this is all we've been told. Based on Beth Wilkinson's review, the commissioner concluded that for many years, the workplace environment at the Washington football team, both generally and particularly for women, was highly unprofessional. Bullying and intimidation frequently took place. Let me repeat that. Bullying and intimidation frequently took place. And many described the culture as one of fear. And numerous female employees reported having experienced sexual harassment and a general lack of respect in the workplace. Ownership, ownership, and senior management paid little or no attention to these issues. In some instances, senior executives engaged in inappropriate conduct themselves, including the use of demeaning language and public embarrassment. This set the tone for the organization and led to key executives believing that disrespectful behavior and more serious misconduct was acceptable in the workplace. The problems were compounded by inadequate HR staff and practices and the absence of an effectively and consistently administered process for reporting or addressing employee complaints, as well as widely reported fear of retaliation. When reports were made, they were generally not investigated and led to no meaningful discipline or other response. That, now, that's pretty strong, but that's it. There's no summary of findings. That's just the bottom line conclusion as to everything that went on with no findings, with no facts, with no incidents, okay, with no examples. Right, I mean, right. Yeah. When you hear that, isn't your first thought, isn't your first thought, give us a little taste. Well, give yeah, us a just a lot of fluff. Give us a, just give us a little slice of the apple. Right. What do you mean here? This is pretty strong. What happened? Just with one. Surely there's one person who did not say Please protect me. Apparently there's Whose two. Whose story could be shared. Right. Yeah, there's at least two. Yeah. Share their stories. Right. And you know what? Yeah, they can, but it's far more powerful when it comes from the actual findings made by the person who was hired by the league. Well, initially hired by Snyder, but then the league took over the investigation. It's a lot stronger when it comes 
from that person than when it comes from the individuals who are making the allegations. What did Beth Wilkinson conclude happened that caused those two paragraphs to be provided to the public? Conclusory, without specifics. What are the specifics? Give us a, give us, a, just give us a little bit. The problem is, Chris, if they give us a little bit, Jeff Bezos is going to end up owning the Washington football team. And they may prefer that collectively, but they don't want, they being the other 31, don't want yeah, to don't have to live in fear right. of someday mm-hmm. having to do the same damn thing. Yeah, no, I mean, 100%. That's what it goes back to. And that's where I'm going to be interested to see where this goes with Congress and, and everything along those lines, just because, again, these are very powerful people who got a lot of connections within Congress, too. I just, uh, I'm, I'm interested. I am. But uh, again, I don't think we're, we're not going to hear anything until the law is absolutely put forth on them, against them, whatever, and they have to do it. There's just no way. It's going to continue to be this type of talk and these type of statements. And I, you know, for all the reasons you stated, mainly just being to protect the other 31 owners. And the other 31 owners present at the meetings. And usually what happens is we'll see a series of tweets where John Mara is holding court with a variety of reporters and talks about this and talks about that. And, you know, I don't think a lot of that is going to be happening this time around. I think no the reporters way. are wasting their time. Right. And when they do ask, if and when they do ask about the Washington football team investigation, I think they came up with their T-shirt slogan that was distributed to all of the owners, and that is, we're here for football. That's what Woody Johnson had to say yesterday. We're here for football. Well, this is kind of, this is kind of football. The You're not there to play football. football or, and, and let yeah. me tell you, I would buy a ticket to watch the 32 owners play football. That would be worth the price of admission. <laughs> They're not there for football. They're there for the business of football, and this is one of the most important concerns right now for the business of football because it's under assault by Congress and by at least some in the media who are are willing to, you know, and, and again, hey, folks asked great questions yesterday. There just wasn't nearly enough time to ask all of them. But folks did a good job of, of getting to the bottom of this as best they could in that weird kind of press conference, unreality setting. But the owners aren't going to say anything. They aren't going to say anything. And it's just, you know, look, they're the ones who have the power to decide what's going to happen here. That's what D. Smith said last week, and he was right on the money. It doesn't matter if Roger Goodell wants right. transparency. Right. He's not making the call. It's the people behind the curtain who are making the call. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. That's where don't get mad at Roger Goodell. He's just being told what to, said, how, how, what to say, how to handle these situations. It's not on him personally. He's just representing them and trying to squash the beef and, and just let this kind of ride out, as we've talked about. So uh, that's that. And again, I'll be shocked if we ever hear more than, more or get any more information on this. I really will. I know Congress. Is involved, I, I believe it's I coming out. I believe. So? I listen. All right. I'll I believe when I, I, I choose yeah. to believe. Mm-hmm. I choose to be optimistic here that the truth is going to come out. Okay. I true. I choose to believe it. And 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 I I you know um, whether it's through Congress, whether it's through litigation. In whatever form it takes, if John Gruden sues, if people from the Washington football team sue, if the union sues, because the union, you know, could argue it's got a right to know what's going on in these workplaces that that their constituents are in. Uh, I, I, I I'm just I choose to be hopeful that it's all going to come out. Let's go ahead and take a break. We got plenty more to get to, but that was a long and comprehensive opening segment. And for those of you who are upset that we talked about that instead of football. Number one, it is football. Number two, the commissioner spoke last night, setting the table for our obligation to do our jobs and analyze and interpret and try to try to uh, push forward this story as it moves forward, wherever it may go. Let's uh, take a break when we return. More from the commissioner on the status of Deshaun Watson. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
What if millions of black Americans had been compensated for slavery? Join me, Tremaine Lee, as I explore the untold story of one of the only black Americans who ever was. I talk to his descendants and discuss how reparations forever change their family's trajectory and imagine a reality where reparations are paid to the rest of black America. Into America presents Uncounted Millions, The Power of Reparations, a Black History Month series. New episodes drop Thursdays. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Roger, what can you tell us about the status of the Deshaun Watson investigation and specifically what it is about his case that hasn't risen to the level of, of putting him on commissioner's exempt list? Yeah, Dan, uh, you know, the first thing is um, there obviously are uh, other, um, I'll call it legal approaches that are being made either through civil cases. Uh, obviously, the police have been investigating also. Uh, we don't have all the access to that information at this point in time, and we, we pride ourselves on not interfering in that, um, being cooperative as we can to make sure we get all the facts. Uh, but I think that process is still ongoing. And until that process is ongoing and we have enough data and enough information to be able to make a determination of whether he should go on commissioner exempt, uh, we don't feel that we have that necessary information at this point. That's different from what they privately say. They're not going to make a decision about Deshaun Watson until they have to. I think that's the truth. And this notion that they don't have enough information, that that tells me that when it's time to make a decision, if and when he's traded between now and next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, they're not going to put him on the commissioner exempt list, at least not yet. And they'll buy some time to make a decision as they await more information. So if they get criticized, how can you let this guy play when he's got 22 civil complaints alleging sexual misconduct during massage therapy sessions and 10 criminal complaints making the same accusations? How can you let him play? We don't have enough information. That will be the cover if they don't put him on paid leave. And, you know, the ultimate piece of information that would get him on paid leave is a felony indictment if that ever happens for one or more criminal charges. So, I read so between the lines of that, traded, Chris. Like I think if he gets traded, he's playing. He's playing. I think if he gets traded, he's huh. playing. Based yeah. on what based on what Roger Goodell said, I think if he gets traded, he's playing. Yeah, I I mean that that'll be interesting. Until until he gets indicted on felony charges. If that happens, that's when it would change. But until then, he I think he's he's good to go. The lawsuits, unless they're settled, right. the criminal complaints that have yet to result in formal charges, that's not going to be enough. To keep him off the field. I, I mean, l listen, I, I don't know. The NFL, they, they, through the years, I feel like has been a little all over on these type of subjects where they do jump in. Sometimes they don't. You know, it seems as of late, they've kind of, yeah, tried to take the standoff approach of like, we're going to wait till it all gets settled and then make our decision here. Uh, okay. Uh, but, but yeah, l listen, my, my first thing is just like, wow, if he gets traded with everything that's going on with the Washington football team and now this and he's playing, it's it's not going to be a good look for the NFL. It, it's not. I mean, it's it's going to turn people off and the fact that it's just like, whoa, okay, yeah, workplace issues here with Daniel Snyder and the Washington football team. A lot of workplace issues, mistreating people, mistreating women. Okay, now we're going to let quarterback play and whoa, there's a lot of accusations of mistreating women there as well. And again, I'm not trying to say guilty, not guilty, anything like that. But I mean, it, that to me is just going to open up another can of worms on the whole Washington football thing. That, that, that to me is what it's going to do. It's going to now, you know, ignite another crowd to join the fight with the Washington football team conversation that we just had in segment one. And I think put more of a, 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 a spotlight on the whole situation I don't know. Am I crazy to think that? That was the first thing I kind of thought of when, when I saw the comments last night. I think that's why he is using this notion that they don't have enough information, 
We don't have, we're staying out of it. We're letting the legal process go forward. We don't have enough information. So don't blame us because we're not at a point where we can feel confident reaching any conclusions. You know, the difference is they haven't had Beth Wilkinson do a full investigation and a complete investigation and talk to anyone and everyone who may have some sort of a of a complaint about Deshaun Watson's behavior. God forbid only one of them ask for full secrecy, then we'll never get any transparency whatsoever. I'm 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 trying to show how ridiculous the position is when it comes to protecting an owner because you know when it involves a player's conduct we're hearing everything we're going to know everything if they are going to suspend a player that justifies that decision to impose discipline but I think when he when he takes the position that we don't have enough information that tells me he's playing and and look Chris the other side of the coin is this how do you justify taking a guy off the field when he is yet to be charged with a single crime. I get it. I especially, know. Especially if he would settle the cases, and those cases could be settled at any time. Right. They almost were settled several months ago. So I, I, just, I think they'll, they'll, they'll make their decision with whatever information they have available to them when it's time to make a decision. What Goodell said yesterday to me is a strong hint that, that Watson's going to be allowed to play, and I think the thing that changes it is some sort of a, Mike, of a felony indictment. Let me ask you one more question. You know, just because it, it's such a weird situation and pretty unprecedented right now, because it's like, yeah, he's not playing because he doesn't want to play for that team, and okay, like there, there, you know, there's there's that whole issue to go along with the civil suits and everything, but okay. Let's just say some information at some point we find out, and you know some of these things Deshaun Watson did do or whatever, and it it, verifi- it verifies that there needs to be a suspension made on Deshaun Watson. All right, this is the question I got for you: is are, is Deshaun Watson and his side going to be able to say like, you know, basically we we've already served seven games. If you want to suspend us ten games next year, like how's that going to work? You know, to no. I mean, no, he's no. not. No. Okay. All right. Well, he's gotten paid. He's gotten paid. So I guess it does. Yeah. 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 I know. Remember in 2019, Antonio Brown, he was cut by the Patriots. He was facing a loss and other accusations. And that, and the league wouldn't say if you sign him, Hey, we're putting him on paid leave. Yeah. So everyone shied away from him. So he served a de facto unpaid suspension, like 14 games in 2019. And then they suspended him eight games in 2020. The difference here is Watson's getting paid now. Yeah. Uh, and, and and I'm glad you mentioned that because there's two tracks to keep in mind. I've seen some people who I think should know better conflate the two. You've got the question of whether or not he'll be placed on paid leave, commissioner exempt list, yeah. pending the resolution right. of everything. That's one track. Right. And that's separate from whatever the commissioner may do by way of an unpaid suspension later. And even if... This all goes away. Let's say he settles the cases. Let's say he fights the cases and wins them. That'll take a couple of years, the way the legal system's currently moving, especially while the pandemic is still slowing down the dispensation of justice. Let's say he's not ever charged with a crime, never ends up facing criminal jeopardy. Even then, you go back to the Ben Roethlisberger situation from 2010. In 2009, he was sued for rape in Nevada. Early 2010, he had the situation down in Milledgeville, Georgia, yeah. where it looked like he was going to be charged, and all of a sudden it went away, and I still believe that that a settlement of any potential civil claims was made, and that took the steam out of the criminal investigation. Don't know that to be a fact, but I believe it based on my experience. Even then, even then, there was a six-game suspension imposed, reduced to four, and if you look at the letter that was sent by the commissioner to Ben Roethlisberger at the time, some of the same clauses, phrases, messages that applied to Ben in 2010 would apply to Sean Watson now because the number of massage sessions that he had, the way that he was finding the massage therapist and the admission from his lawyer that some of these sessions did become consensual sexual encounters. That in and of itself, I think, the sheer volume and what it led to would be enough to justify based upon what happened with Ben Roethlisberger, an unpaid suspension once all this ends. So if you trade for Deshaun Watson, yeah. you're taking a short-term risk of paid leave, right. and you're taking a very real risk that he's not going to be available for the first. And and the general, you've heard this, the general thought is six games. Yeah. That, that he's not going to be available for the first six games next year. 
Yeah, I mean that's 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 why there's a lot of hitch hitches in the giddy up here as far as trying to figure out the right compensation to trade for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean it, again, it's just the unknown. But okay, that's good. You cleared it up for me. I I just was wondering how that would work out because you know again I know you're right. It's it's he's being paid. That's the bottom line right now, and that's where it's a whole lot different than than what we've seen in the past. Yep, uh, and uh, we'll see. Six days left before the trade window closes and and I think the Texans have held firm on what they want because they view this as not a two-year arrangement they view this as a team acquiring a franchise quarterback who if they continue to pay him and extend him or use franchise tags or whatever is going to be with that team indefinitely so don't get caught up in in what is or isn't available now you know plenty of teams draft young quarterbacks with the idea that they're not going to have a payoff for a couple of years with Watson. The payoff is 2023, maybe free and clear and complete in 2023. Yeah, that's And I tough. think that's why the Texans want what they want. All right, speaking of the Texans, and this one came out of the clear blue sky yesterday. Michael Silver, who used to work for NFL.com, no longer does, has a freelance gig with the Washington football team. He did an item that ended up on the Bally Sports. And all these sports books now are trying to create media content. They're trying to, and and this is a a get ready. The world's going to change, folks, dramatically over the next few years, where you're going to be getting your sports information from the places where they're also going to be in your face with opportunities to wager on sports. And for the same reasons that networks want to have live game content, Sports books are going to want to have sports media content because it draws in the customers who can then be flipped into betters. So Bally Sports has an item from Mike Silver who uh, reports that at a golf outing in May, Cal McNair, the owner of the Texans, used a, a racially insensitive term to describe the pandemic and COVID-19. Now, it's a term you've heard people in high office use multiple times. So it's not as shocking as the contents of the John Gruden emails. It doesn't make it inappropriate. And uh, it is inappropriate. And Cal McNair issued a statement expressing contrition for the comment that was made. Uh, and and who know? You know, are they going to do anything about it? No. Of course not. Do you really think? Commissioner wasn't asked about it last night, and it was already out there. I don't think, I don't think they're even going to bat an eye at this. Now, if it was a coach... I don't know. We saw how aggressively things were pursued with Gruden, but but what he did, what he said, and it's hard to have gauges and levels of how offensive something is, but what Gruden did was so far beyond the pale. It's It can't be compared to what Cal McNair said, especially because we've heard plenty of people say it. That's right. That's that, what it that is. That doesn't make it appropriate, right. but we've heard plenty of people say it. The fact that he said it and he has expressed contrition, it's a red flag, but, you know. I don't expect that anything's going to come of it other than the embarrassment that that is associated with Cal McNair having to issue the statement expressing contrition for something that I think he thought was funny and that, right. you know, some of the 100 people or so who heard what he said didn't think it was funny and they approached him and he apologized at the time. And I'm surprised it took as long as it did for that to come to light. It's odd. And I'd love to know. You're always curious about the story behind the story. How did Mike Silver find out about it? Why did he find out about it now? Why is it being reported now? Why now? Why not then? Because if that many people heard it, surely people were talking yeah, about it. Course, surely right. somebody said something to someone about it then back in May. Yeah. Why wasn't it reported then? It's just those things. I may be the only one who cares about it, but since I make the sausage all the time, I'm always curious how the sausage gets made elsewhere. I'd love to know why it took that long for that comment to come to light. Yeah, it is It is kind of curious, especially like, you know, right now in this environment where stuff like that is, is usually brought to the, you know, the front of the newspaper or headline type of stuff. But again, I mean, you're, you're right. I don't think anything's going to be done about it. You know, we, we've, we know players have been, you know, not happy there because of maybe some of the actions from ownership in Houston. I don't think it's like surprising to anybody actually that he made the comment. That's why nobody asked probably any questions about it yesterday to to Roger Goodell because they were like a little bit like this is kind of par for the course down there in Houston. I mean, well, again, you know, not not I'm not trying to say you know I'm just trying to say we've heard enough rumors through ex players. Let's, let's players be let's that be were clear, there. right? Let, 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 yeah. let me be more clear, yeah, because because I I think this deserves a scalpel, not a sledgehammer, right? The reality is 
the politics of the McNair family fall directly in line with the use of the term that was used repeatedly by the former president. So that's what makes it not a surprise, because they are fully and completely aligned with that political ideology that would think it's no big deal to use that term in reference to COVID-19. Plain and simple, because I'm sure plenty of people who see what he said would say, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? That's what I call it, too. Um, the other side of it, though, is we got to go back. And, and look, I, you know, I want to show appropriate respect for the deceased. But the reality is Bob McNair. Right. Back in 2017, it came to light that he made that comment. We can't have the inmates running the prison in reference to the ongoing national anthem controversy and the efforts by the players to have, you know, have their rights respected. They have a right to protest during the anthem. And McNair made that comment and it sparked a near mutiny. DeAndre Hopkins was going to walk out. And they actually considered, if you remember this, Chris. I do. They considered yeah. removing the Texans' decals from their helmets right. for the next game that they played. That's how bad it was. Yeah, no, I know. That's, that's kind of why I went down that road there a little bit, just because of, yeah, some of those stories. Listen, I I, I know, you know, I, I, I've heard some of that talk as far as, you know, from the players that were there or have been there or know guys there where, yeah, it was a little bit of an uncomfortable environment as far as that conversation is concerned that you're explaining very well. So, um, yeah, I mean, not shocking, you know, distasteful, certainly, and uh, just adds to the weirdness of the Houston Texans organization altogether right now. Well, and it's in character. You know, every once in a yeah. while, somebody will tell me a story about somebody who said something and they'll say, can you believe they said that? And it's like, well, yeah, it's in character. It'll surprise me when something is said out of character. This was fully in character. This is on brand for Cal McNair. And I'm not even going to say I'll do respect. It's the truth. It's on brand. It's expected. So I, I, I wasn't nearly as shocked by that comment as I was by the contents of the John Gruden emails, although, you know, fully aware of how just generally angry and miserable he can be. I, it wasn't a huge leap, but still, I'm not... I'm not even remotely surprised that Cal McNair said what he said, not even in the slightest bit. I guess what I am surprised about is that he expressed any contrition for it at all, frankly. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. Football, tomorrow night, week eight, begins with a huge game. Packers got a huge problem. They're dealing with COVID issues, and they may be severely shorthanded. We'll get you up to speed on that next here on PFT Live. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 